think Tara's still connecting, so mm -hmm. we'll uh, take a little while. Um, I changed. Hey guys. Hey, what's Hello. going on? What's going howdy, on? Howdy. Hey. So this I is don't. first of all, this is the first time I'm ever doing anything like this. We're ever doing anything like this with. This is cool. Multiple people. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's gonna be awesome. Um, but also, um, I'm gonna be like kind of like looking over here to make sure everything on my board is correct. Mm -hmm. If you don't know by now, you're listening to the Record Spinner podcast, and uh, I am joined. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. I'm joined by co-host Ryan and the lovely Tara, who is from Tara's Turntable. Uh, she is back so soon, um, and it's because, I mean, hey, we had a really great conversation. Uh, it was uh, an eye-opening conversation uh, one that I, I can't, you know, those conversations where you can't quite shake, like the conversation just keeps coming up and you keep like referring to the conversations like, oh, yes, I think I mentioned that with Tara, uh, like, I think Tara said something about this. And so it's like, it's one of those things that's like really been sort of at the front of my brain whenever thinking about records. So we're really happy to have Tara back on the show. And uh, with, of course, Ryan the guru, the tech guru, the guy who knows everything about how to get your turntable right. Um, yeah. Yeah, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm great. I'm so glad to be back. And I'm glad to hear that Ryan is the tech person. So I can just like <laughs> go and poach on Ryan now of all my turntable problems and say, Ryan, you know, please help. Please help. So he, he's the I'm guy. so happy to. Yeah, I'm so glad to know Ryan now because I can annoy you now with my turntable issues. It's good. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Yo, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, my notes are kind of weird right now and like the side screen, side screen setup. So I'm like sort of like half reading like a half of a note. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, first time having multiple people on the show. I sort of mentioned it in the beginning, but, you know, I want to mention it again. Like shout outs to the country of Sweden for, you know, uh, watching or listening to the Record Spinner podcast as much as you guys have. Um, and now I want to ask a question to, uh, to our, our guest and to, of course, the co-host Ryan. So with it being Black History Month, happy Black History Month to all of my African-American listeners. Um, I hope that's a lot of you guys, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't see the demographics like that. Um, but yeah, are there any moments for either of you? Uh, it could be in jazz, it could be in hip hop, it could be... You know, in, in civil rights, it could be whatever. Like, is there anything that sort of stands out to you? Is there anything special that you like to just kind of review during this time of year or during any time of year about black folk or about, you know, the experience? Um, I would love to hear you guys' uh, take on that. Tara, I'll let you lead. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let you lead, but um, I'll take it. No, um, ladies first. well, ladies first. Right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in on that lady privilege very soon Ryan, and you might <laughs> like it but anyway um yeah no you know noel i was thinking about and not to be the tribe jamaican right but <clears throat> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about this in the wake of, of, of bob marley's birthday just gone mm. on the sixth and thinking about um his performances um in zimbabwe former rhodesia mm -hmm. uh, in the 80s and just his music and how important that was for the kind of anti-colonial uh, struggles in, in that part of the world. And so that is something I go back to just thinking about, uh, I guess, my own countrymen in the larger uh, uh, corpus of black history, just um, 
how I'm so fortunate that my countrymen, I'm from Jamaica, have given me so many wonderful examples of human excellence in black skin. Mm. And so, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, my own kind of family line and my own grandparents who were born in the 20s and 30s and just um, thinking about just the, the self-worth and the dignity that they gave to me, which is a gift. Mm. And um, yeah, so it, I was kind of going global and then I kind of, it became more personal for me thinking about my own, my own family, my own grandparents and stuff. And um, yeah, so I'm gonna put it out there as Bob Marley there in, in Zimbabwe, uh, former Rhodesia. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome moment too. Uh, I, yeah. I thought you were gonna go with that concert he did in your country, in your country of Jamaica. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a huge was, moment as well. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, the One Love uh, concert. Yeah, where you know, he just had gotten yeah. shot, and it was like you know, yeah. forget that I'm gonna go back on stage. I'm gonna do it. Uh, sure. Ryan, Ryan, you got one. I'm gonna say mine for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, listeners to the podcast, I, I think at this point know uh, I'm a public school teacher. Uh, I teach uh, music and um, the vocal performing groups, the choirs um, that meet during our that at our school. Um, just generally speaking, um, in the where I live in the state of Illinois in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, most public educators are white. Um, for whatever reason, um, you know, education, especially like educators and administrators, are predominantly white. Um, and people of color, Black Americans especially, for whatever reason, just aren't, aren't they're they're not being recruited and developed into the field of education, which is a whole another yeah, topic. Yeah, I was gonna say I could. The, yeah, the data supports that. Mm-hmm. And but what's happening is like at least at my school, many schools in my area, uh, these are schools that are, you know, um, the representation of students is is. is diverse it's mm-hmm. um you've got kids uh of all socioeconomic backgrounds of all uh, of all of all races and um and the challenge that a lot of public schools have is you know how do you how do you start incorporating curriculum especially not only just in february is black history yeah, month but yeah. how does it become just like a, a standard practice um, so one thing I actually give a lot of credit and shout outs to the school district where I work in is that um, these past two years, they've really tried to be more mindful and strategic and conscientious and providing professional development for teachers on how to be more mindful of um, not just treating black history as kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull out my Black History of the Month lesson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like actually, you know, Black History becoming a common thread in the things that you teach. Yeah. So for me as a music teacher, it's it's really important because the music that I teach at the junior high level predominantly is um, post Civil War. Mm, okay. So you're talking early 1900s, early 20th century, yep. and then going to modern 2000s. Yeah. And then, you know, when you look at music in that fashion, um, it, it's it's rooted in black tradition and it's yep. rooted in black history. Yep. Yep. And at least in America, you know, my, my personal philosophy is that almost every, almost every seed and root of 
music in America yeah. is rooted in the tradition of black history yeah. and black culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm very deliberate with my kids about that. Um, but especially in the in the month of uh, Black History Month in February, um, I make it very intentional that when we talk about blues and we talk about jazz and we talk about gospel, we talk about rock, we talk about hip hop, talk about just general pop and rock and R&B, you know, all of that folds you, in all man. of those seeds, all of those fold in. We talk about that a lot here on the show from they all um, fold in man. it's all black music. Just, it's it's almost one stream of consciousness if you think about it in a, in a timeline sense like it sort of does all fold into each other because they all take from one another or or birth each other right um so it's very i, I love that you said that ryan because you know that that this is why you're you're my you're my co-pilot here with this stuff because i know that you do um yeah you do keep have you do have these thoughts that are very similar to mine about the overarching theme of black music. Um, one weird thing, funny, funny, weird, uh, that I want to note here for, for listeners, Ryan, you're, you're Filipino, right? And so I, I've had, I've had comments say, uh, Ryan, he sounds white. Like, <laughs> how do you, how do you respond? Or how do you deal with that? I mean, I, I know I, I have, I've had similar responses in, in my past, um, as well, people saying, hey, you don't sound like you look. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? But, you know, whatever. Uh, so, I mean, like, is there anything that you want to speak to about your culture in this moment? Because I think one of the other one of the additional things about Black History Month um, is that uh, our history is super encompassing of, of a lot of other cultures. We, are, we embrace a lot of other cultures in this month. And so I just want to sort of give time to, if there's anything you want to say about your, your heritage or culture um, that you do so. You know no I, you know the only the only thing by tangent i can say is just um you know i'm of a filipino background filipino ancestry and um filipino history is um going back to colonization of spain uh, or spain's mm -hmm. colonization of us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then ultimately us getting some semblance of independence but then ultimately to kind of be pseudo-colonized by America, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better it's word. It's a very strange and just history, that, yeah. yeah. and just that whole kind of process, and then that leading to, like, a mass a mass migration of Filipinos to America, trying to assimilate into American culture by kind of shedding themselves mm -hmm, of their mm -hmm. Filipino ancestry. You know, it's a very complex kind of history for many Filipino Americans um, in that sense. But I think that's where a lot of the feelings of connection with African Americans and Black Americans for uh, many Filipinos, because mm -hmm. uh, many Filipinos, when we immigrated to America, um, it was Black Americans that we connected with yeah. and that yeah. we that's learned what I was, to- That's what I meant, yeah. Be, we that's we learn to be in community with because yeah. there is there is some semblance of a parallel shared history mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. our own in our own colonization and the and the ways that Filipinos traditionally were kind of our country was taken over and yeah. our culture was appropriated. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so and there's there's some sharedness in that. Yeah, and, and we're we're just like I said, really embracing and, and fucking awesome, just like just boiling it down to its root. <laughs> Uh, embracing of other of other cultures, other other experiences, um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, when, when this show first started, it was, it was very much about the black experience through music. It still is very much about that. But, you know, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I allowed, you know, the, uh, the experience of, of others also, because sometimes maybe I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have that gear on all the time um, to sort of, you know, let you talk about, you know, whatever it is in the, in the cultural uh, aspects that you want to talk about. So I think that was great, man. I uh, really appreciate you sharing that, too, because it, it, it sums up things that I've already known about about our, our relationship um, and culture, a cultural relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. Happy Black History Month, everybody. It's uh, it's a big, important thing. It's something that I I I, I celebrate every day. Uh, but you know, I, I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, you should celebrate it every day, or you should, you know, you should always be learning about Black people. But you definitely should because we're awesome, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but I also want to hear from other people too if there's like any moments that you know that stick out to you in, in black history. One of the things, uh, I'm glad Tara mentioned it and she's on the show because one of my favorite figures in black history is that of Marcus Garvey, who's also one of your countrymen. Um, and he is, he's always been one of my favorite uh, figures in black history, uh, sort of, sort of, uh, uh, I, I sort of found him after finding Malcolm X and just his whole story of, you know, of rags to riches essentially before, that you know uh that slogan becomes popular and not riches in the sense of you know um you know material wealth but like coming from you know a criminal background and and molding himself up to become like this very iconic figure is just something that i think we all can get behind and support but back to marcus garvey though uh your countryman uh very interesting uh figure i mean lauded as sort of like a con artist at on one hand and then uh and then lauded as you know sort of a, a second coming or a, a masonic type figure yeah. uh by some yeah. you know things are always in context and so you have to appreciate marcus garvey's marcus garvey's um intentions and thoughts in the context in which he was operating you yeah. see what i'm trying to say That's and perfect. so Whereas maybe now I might have different viewpoints or amended viewpoints about his ideas, I still respect, you know, him as a figure in, in my own country's history and also in just Pan-African history in general. So, you know, beautifully just, said, beautifully said. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of our, you know, it's a, it's a hero in Jamaica. So you from your this high, you know, about Marcus Garvey, it's just like kind of in your bones, it's kind of in your blood, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's, we kind of grew up, you know, as kids in Jamaica, our heroes, and you know about your heroes, and so it's just part of the, um, it's in the air, in the bones, so to speak, a lot of, and I'm listening to you guys very intently, because, um, and being quiet as you talk about some of these things, because I think that growing up in a majority black country is a very different, different experience, very different, okay, yes. and so, there are some things that I'm going to have to just kind of listen more than I talk because it's a it's a different experience um, where, where you're used to seeing, again, you know, examples of excellence of people who look just like you and that being something mm -hmm. that is plugged in from very early. Every day, and yeah. So, every yeah. day. And so, and, and I'm not discounting that, of course, we have racial politics. I mean, you know, I'm not being naive about that, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying that it is true. And I feel very fortunate that I have, while I've lived elsewhere, I was made in Jamaica and yeah. so there is a kind of inbuilt I suppose 
self-worth and confidence that I'm very fortunate to be the recipient of from my own family and on just my country. So, that's such a, that's such a great point, Tara. Um, and and I can I can co-sign that point only on one on, only in only on one example in my life. And that is my trip to Ghana, and oh. I could I, and and my thought was one. It was the freest and safest I had ever felt in my life, that, that trip. I spent two weeks in Ghana, and it was literally like a life-changing experience, right? And the thing that I came away with was if I grew up in a, in a society like that, which is akin to, akin to a society, much like Jamaica, I would imagine. You see a lot of your people. Um, it's sort of a norm. It's sort of a, a common thing. You don't even think about it. You, it. It almost gets lost on you as like, you know, you're walking amongst all your people. And it's just like you don't. It, this is how I guess the dominant society here in America must feel. Right. They don't they don't even they don't even like it, the thought doesn't come into their mind that they're an other or different because they're not. They're the yeah. they're the default. I don't see race. Yeah. No, yeah. Let it go. Yeah, I don't see color. I don't see race. Of course, you're part of the dominant. Yeah, dominant. Yeah, every other person you see is you. So uh, yeah, totally, you don't see it. Um, but so I can I can definitely attest to to that feeling. And I could, like I said, I walked away from that experience saying that if I were born in a in a, in a society that I saw myself reflected every day and everything from the local grocery man to uh the president and the and the 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 higher ups uh the leaders of the country uh, what would be my thoughts on on race what would be my thoughts on well, how would i how would i rationalize race and racism um it's very much like you said tara it's it's still a thing um but it's very much it's very different it's a very different way it's uh it, 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 it its approach is very different um, from what we deal with here in the country. So, God damn, I love, I love that, that answer. Uh, and, and I love that discussion up, up top. I think that was a great discussion, but I do want, because people don't come here to listen to our politics. They come here to, to listen to our music. Uh, so, so I do want to get into that. Um, so we're going to switch gears a little bit, uh, and we're going to hop into what we've been listening to uh, lately, and this is, of course, our vinyl recommendation uh, as part of the show. Uh, I'm going to go first here. I'm going to take yeah, this and go first. Uh, <laughs> go sorry first. that I'm, I'm pulling rank here, but I've been listening to a few different records. Uh, uh, so uh, I went to go spend some time with a friend of mine, and she uh, she gave me a birthday present, an early birthday present, where we uh, went to a record store. And I just, like, literally, I felt like I went crazy, but I didn't really go crazy. Um, and I got a few records. I want to highlight a few of these today on the show. And I'll start off by kind of going back to the contemporary thing that me and Ryan also talked about last episode. Uh, we'll probably get back into that discussion. I want to sort of recap that discussion as well. But this one, this Micaiah McCarvin, uh, this record right here, Deciphering the Message. Uh, what an amazing record this is. Uh, Joel Ross is on this on the vibes. Deshaun Jones, Jeff Parker, Matt Gold, uh, Junis Paul, and Marcus Hill, J J uh, Greg Wald or Ward um, is also on this record. This is a Blue Note release. Um, absolute fire, absolute fire. I first heard uh, Autumn, Autumn in New York. I think it was uh, when it was released over the summer, late summer of 2021. Uh, it may have been early fall too, though. But I knew I was going to buy this record. Uh, I, at that point, I was like, I'm going to buy it. I don't care if that's the only song on the record that I like. I'm committed to this record, which I typically don't do, but it was a great song. 
lo and behold though i get the record and it's like the entire project is nuts so um really enjoyed listening to this listening to this project uh it's on rotation i, I think i've played it every morning since i've gotten it uh, it's just a really great record to start the morning too um next uh is a classic this bad boy right here uh this is idris muhammad and this is power of soul a classic record uh featuring uh grover washington jr and bob james and gary king joe beck is on this as well and uh ralph mcdonald is also on that record uh just an amazing piece of soul jazz my favorite pieces on this is probably peace of mind Um, this one was actually used uh, as a, as, and it was a, it was sampled by, uh, it was sampled on a Doom track, uh, Doom and Bishop Nuru. I think they have a track that uh, I think it's called Meathead or something like that. And and I, I recognize that uh, sample off of a Peace of Mind, of course. Very uh, inspiring record overall. But the second side is crazy as well. So, and my final one is an oldie. I actually didn't get this one recently. I've had this one for a little while. This is. Lewis Hayes, and it's the real thing. The reason I'm highlighting this record right here is because Woody Shaw's playing on this is absolutely bonkers, mm -hmm. phenomenal playing. Oh, yeah. I think it's Woody Shaw at his best, which is crazy. I, mm -hmm. I, I equate this, <laughs> I log this under Woody Shaw, which I know is like against the jazz rules and against the vinyl rules of how to log records, but he plays so well on this record that it's like, it's just like, wow, like I can't, like. I mean, Lewis Hayes does his thing too. Everyone on this record does do, does an amazing job, uh, from you know Renee uh, McLean and Ronnie Matthews, St uh, Stafford James, Slide Hampton. All of them are all of them are amazing on this record. But uh, but Woody Shaw's playing on I think it's Nisha. I think that's the song it's the second song on the first side i mean he, he just he blows it away on this record so i would recommend all three of those uh my first one ryan was the one i sent you this morning so you didn't miss anything when you dipped out <laughs> yeah. uh it, it was the uh the micaiah uh mccarvin uh, -huh. uh record which is crazy bonkers yeah. so that's mine who wants to who wants to go next 
Uh, well, I just kind of segue, I guess, um, because it was you guys who were talking about Freddie Hubbard's first light. And I've been talking yeah. about this because, but I went and I'm totally in love. I don't own it, right? But I have been playing it on your recommendation the last time. <laughs> um, like you, I've been on a hiatus in air quotes, buying records. We, we'll see how long that hiatus lasts. Never lasts so long. I haven't actually, never lasts long. So we'll see. So I haven't been listening to um, a lot of, like I haven't bought any kind of new stuff recently. Um, I mean, well, in the last few weeks, let me be clear about that. So um, I did pick up, I did pick up a Freddie Hubbard, uh, Ready for Freddie, Blue Note classic reissue. Got that. So and get to do that some more and get to know that record some more and I did I actually you know I got some records for my birthday last November and I was um playing some things uh, on the weekend and I was kind of posting to Instagram I listened to um uh a Dinah Washington record Dinah Jams oh, nice. but it's this it's this really you know great record with kind of it's a live performance in in, in California with kind of Clifford Brown kind of Max Roach quintet kind of you know vibe new and so was love this eager heart of mine is singing lover where can you be you came at last love had its day that day is past you've gone away this aching heart of mine is singing lover come on back to me well I remember every little thing we used to do so lonely every road i walk alone i've walked alone with you no i wonder i am lonely the sky is blue the night is cold the moon is new but love is old and while i'm waiting here this heart of mine is singing lover lover come back to me i'm still you know it's, it's great singing but you know the band is just obviously so great with just great jazz jazz players. So that's kind of been, I've, I've gone back to that and been playing that. Um, and then the usual is kind of spinning. So I'm just telling you what is more novel, but I've been spinning uh, Coltrane Stardust is kind of in back mm -hmm. on the turntable.
and um, yeah so that's what's been up basically you know yeah those are good those are great picks and and uh, i appreciate the shout out on the uh on the first light that's a classic i, yeah. I love that record it's so good yeah. it's so good yeah. i'm just like wow <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. think i'm up yeah um this is um one of the most recent tone poets the stanley turrentine rough and tumble nice and i want to give this a shout out because uh, i i didn't get into an online pickle per se mm -hmm. but the online there was this whole discussion for us that follow the uh um you know the tone poet online discussions that take place across various forums and one of the things that was brought up was oh too much turn time too much stanley turn time why, why is joe releasing too much turn time because you have there's like maybe three or four other which i have them all and they're all mm -hmm. awesome but that's beside the point or you know there's too much grant green uh, uh, i'm tired of grant green get, give me something different like there's all this kind of like can't, back and forth. you can't please you can't never please us you can never yeah. Please yeah. Man. <laughs> and, you know and that's a lot point. of yeah yeah no one's ever happy a lot of a lot of the logic is well, you know, I've I've I already own a lot of Stanley Turrentine, or like, you know, I would prefer something more, um, like out there, like more avant garde or more free, and, and I, I understand all of those items, but like basically my response is, um, you know, number one, you know, Joe Harley and Blue Note, they want to make money, and it's it helps everyone that's interested in vinyl and in jazz vinyl that, you know, you can't release just all like avant-garde free jazz stuff. Like yeah. you have to yeah. be able to, you have to give people what I call their comfort food. You have yeah. to give what people can just put on the platter, spin and bop to it and not necessarily have their brains super stressed and, and exercised, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what, for me, that's what Stanley Turrentine is. It's it's going down south yeah. and having comfort food because mm. uh, it just feels so good to yeah. spin it. And my whole response was, you guys need to really just be quiet because <laughs> this is just like, this is just great music, right? Mm -hmm. um, jazz doesn't have to be this thing where you have to inte intellectualize everything. Mm. Jazz can just mm. play. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, we just... <laughs> that you just it can just be the thing that you just put on your record and enjoy and smile yeah. and have yeah. a drink and maybe dance a little bit. And that's okay. Yeah. And then my final comment online was, you know, you know why they're you know why Joe, you know, has a lot of like Stanley Turnine and Grant Green? Maybe because they're they're badass mofos. Maybe that's yeah. just plain and hey. simple why hey. he's doing that. Hey. So why not? And yeah, there th yeah, there's so much to that. There's so much to that point, Ryan, that you don't know, man. We actually just recently finished discussing this, me and Tara and and uh, a few of, uh, of the others in the Sunday Dig group. We finished discussing that very point, like intellectualizing the music versus uh, sort of emoting the music, right? And like, which is which is the preferred method? And I, I really feel like you can you can do it all. Like there there's a mode for all of it. Um, I feel like over intellectualizing, though, does sort of like create this uh, experience that I think is one of the subjects we're going to talk about tonight, where it, it sort of makes it a little pretentious for a lot of folks. And it sort of scares a lot of people who don't know a lot about the music away. Um, I'm thinking about one of my friends right now who is sort of timid to get into 
elements of jazz and mm. and i think it, she sees it as being over intellectual like over just like over the top like thinking music and it's like no wow. just enjoy the melody like just just mm. hear just hear it and and feel it whatever you're feeling like allow that to like whatever you're hearing allow allow yourself to feel whatever that is like whether that's you love the piano and so you're you're hearing a piano mainly or you love the trumpet like i do and you're you're listening for that trumpet and you're trying to pick apart what that trumpet's trying to say and and they don't do it in a way that you're trying to understand every every note but just like you're you're hearing it for the emotion that it's conveying and i think miles davis is a perfect that's why i try to get people when they're saying that they're new to jazz or whatever i think he's the perfect intro to that stuff because like you there's a feeling associated with him and with his horn that muted horn that's just like so like it's 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 overstated now but you know like it's it's just so obvious that it's you know it's it's right there um so ryan that's a really it's a really great point um to to make man and we'll we'll, we'll hop into to that topic yeah. in a Please. little bit Please. where we'll we'll talk about you know the pretentiousness of jazz that's sort of sort of what we're talking about tonight so mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm definitely anxious to kind of take a bite Oh, that burger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, so, it's, go for it. No, so Ryan, so, so were they saying that that they wanted to get more free jazz stuff? Is that what the talk was, that they wanted to no, get more? No, I, I think, you yeah. know, I, I try to take a lot of these and... Um, you know, I try to take a, I take a lot of these comments with a grain of salt. I was about to say you don't you don't, you don't really dig <laughs> dig with you know, the, the the commenters or whatever. Yeah, the see here's here's the challenge, and I know this is kind of leading into where we need to go. The issue is, and I come from a, a music undergraduate kind of university style of study of jazz, mm. and in these spaces, you for lack of a better word, you have older white professors telling you how to listen to jazz and what it should mean mm-hmm. and what you should derive from listening to it. I mean, that that was basically my undergraduate jazz level experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thankful for it because it gave me the theory. It gave me the how to listen to something from an intellectual standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really start getting the emotiveness of jazz mm. until I was an adult and had the own space to think for myself and listen for myself mm-hmm. is basically what that is. So when I see a lot of these, this weird discourse online saying, why, why so much of this artist, uh, you should be releasing this artist. Um, I've just learned how to kind of let that kind of roll off my shoulder and take it by yes. yeah. and yeah. being able to provide my final say and just, and just mm-hmm. kind of mic dropping and leaving the conversation um, <laughs> as needed. And you're, you're a good mic dropper too. <laughs> I'll add that add that in there um, that it's interesting I mean it, on the one hand I mean I, I I get that argument too Ryan like I, I get it okay so sure maybe you you're feeling a little lackluster with the diversity of the releases of Tone Poet but I mean I feel like there's so much to select from from the Tone Poet series that like if exactly. if, if you're not happy with you know, <laughs> if you have all of them then hey I'm sorry whatever like okay yeah. wait wait in line but I'm still trying to catch up I still I still don't have exactly. so many of the Tone Poet uh, re- exactly. releases yeah. so uh, you know I'm I'm enjoying I I for one love Grant Green 
So you can never give me too much Grant Green. I'm sorry that like if you're not into a particular artist or if, if you feel like uh, one artist get, gets way too much shine or way too much pull with the reissue series. Yeah. Like the biggest thing they see online like with Grant Green is like yeah, all he does is he plays the same riff over and over. Oh, God. God. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Like, sorry. That's the whole like, this is, I'm this like, is that's why I don't do forums. This is why I don't yeah, do forums. It's like, making my skin itch. It's making my skin itch, but I'm just what, not going to go there. What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Like, okay, he, he, okay, let's just say he does do the same riff every... He makes each of it... He makes each, each song sound fucking awesome. I know. Sorry, with that same exactly. riff. I know. So I know. keep doing it. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. I know. Yeah. I know. But it's kind of like, you see what I'm saying? Like, they hear... So what they hear is... That's like what they hear, but mm. they don't feel mm. and they don't see the context. That's and a good they point, don't right? feel the message, and it goes back to this whole intellectualism versus like emotiveness, and that those two have to be in balance with each other. Yeah, but unfortunately, a lot of these spaces are dominated by yeah. a certain yeah yeah by certain groups. And it, that are are narrow in that sense makes it unattractive, man. It makes it hella unattractive. So I mean, without even like saying we're gonna get into the topic, I, I guess we should just open this for discussion yeah. right here. It, it makes it so unattractive to me. And if I, I just think about it, because when I first got into it, luckily enough for me, when I first got into jazz, I was sort of a, a knucklehead that just wanted to, you know, uh, try something that I hadn't listened to before, right? Like. And so when I got into it, like I didn't really listen to a lot of talking heads or a lot of, you know, the experts. And I ran into the music emoting the, the music. It was all feeling like so yeah. that's why I say John Coltrane's Love Supreme didn't really hit me like that because I was emoting. I wasn't trying to I, I was I wasn't trying to um, overstand the music. I was literally just like, if it sounds good to me, that's it. And so my ears were very much virgin ears at this point, right? So Miles Davis sounded great to me in, in kind of blue, right? Because this is what I thought jazz sounded like. This is what I this is what I wanted it to sound like at that time. As I grew though, jazz the jazz umbrella grew w with me, and it now encompasses everything. And most of my favorite stuff is now really free jazz. Um, but even still, like I have, I, I always say this: I have Miles to thank for that because. I came yeah. in with the emotion. I didn't come in intellectualizing the music. Neither one is bad, though. And, and that's what I want to sort of push on today, tonight is that there isn't really a bad one. Anyone want to take a guess at like, or want to take a stab at like why intellectualizing the music may be a better better way to intro into the music? Ryan, you sort of you sort of had that as your education, right? So that was very intellectualizing. The music. Yeah, but I can't, you know, in this in the world of jazz, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for mm. that approach for most people mm. like i you know an undergraduate music degree is such a niche kind of thing mm -hmm. that if you're if you're talking about if you're trying to emphasize the universal quality that jazz can offer mm -hmm. um it's you definitely don't want to approach it from an undergraduate <laughs> music perspective that i can you know I, that i can kind of tell i think i think your path is a much healthier foundation. But how do right? you how do you get folks to do that when they're, especially nowadays, when you you go to sort of like find out more about the music, and you run into the intellectualization of the music, and so it sort of scares you away because it's like I didn't hear that, or I didn't I didn't feel that, or I didn't I didn't get that sense I didn't get a sense of that. Tara, 
you you get what I'm saying? Like, is is yeah, there definitely. is there a sort of it, scaring people away from this music when we we when when we intellectualize it? There's so much to talk about, Noel. I mean, first thing is that you know I really connect with how you came to the music. That's exactly my journey. It was Virgin Ears, and it was a feeling based a feeling-led response. Mm-hmm. I like that, I'm going to follow that. I like that, I'm going to follow mm-hmm. that. Oh, that sounds good, I'm going to follow that. It was very non-academic in that sense. Now, last night or two nights ago, I was on the Vinyl Community YouTube space mm-hmm. and <laughs> someone posted a video. They said, you know, I just can't get cold trained. So they had all these wonderful impulse reissues, Crescent. He said, I can't feel Crescent. I can't feel this, I can't wow. feel that. Um, and I said to him, you know, for me, that's the wonderful thing about jazz in that it is for me now a process of refinement of my ear with time. Yep. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a genre quote unquote, so to speak. I mean, even that has to be unpacked, but let's just. Put <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to do yeah, that later too. Let's, let's yeah. just <laughs> but for me, for me, it is personally, it is a, the, in terms of listening to the music, it is a process now. So jazz for me is a process of, refinement of my ear with continued listening so that's what what compels me to continue to listen to it because i said to him you know you can maybe right now it's just not your cup of tea maybe as you listen to more things it might create more space in your mind to appreciate Mm -hmm. a culture Mm -hmm. and then i went into my kind of other you know kind of energy things meaning that perhaps it's on a kind of the the energy the frequency of the tones just not you right now you're not feeling it in your spirit all right that's me but to go back to the intellectual piece I'm trying to understand what we mean when we say intellectualize. And I wanted to ask you guys this. I had this question. Am I intellectualizing jazz because I sit down to listen to it? It's a question. It's a serious question, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm having a hard time, I guess, for me, understanding this dichotomy. Because for me, it's so, they're so married, the intellectual and the feeling. And for me, I'll just say that any intellectualism for me with jazz is about my mind being captivated, the attention of my mm. mind. So that's for me, my intellectual interest is peaked because there's so much to pay attention mm-hmm. to. So that's for me what the intellectual piece means. It's like, wow, okay, th- I have to be on a high mental alert to understand the scope of what I'm perceiving. Mm-hmm. There's so much going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. What's happening on the keys, mm-hmm. trumpet, the riffs here, the that there. And, and-, and so it's like, ooh, so to, to kind of, yeah. So yeah. in that way, jazz for me can't be boring because it's just so much that my mind feels like, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And it feels great. So it's a, it's a marriage. That's why I said intellectualizing isn't bad. Sorry, Brian, I, I want to get this yeah. out really quick. Intellectualizing mm-hmm. isn't necessarily bad, in my opinion. It's just it's that's the advanced way of listening. That's what happens when you get your sea legs in listening to jazz, right? Or listening mm-hmm. to this music. Um, I mean, you can try and listen to the same, you can listen to the same tune. Uh, you know, one of my friends, uh, she, you know, uh, they like right now, they're really into uh, Louis Armstrong, right? And they're really like, that's what, that's what their sound is right now. Um, eventually there will come a time though, if they continue to listen to that music and if they do so consciously, which I sort of also encompass with intellectualizing the music, it's a conscious uh, attempt to, to hear the music, whatever that conscious attempt is and whatever level you start at, 
that's where that's where your first introdu introduction into intellectual intellectualizing the music starts. So if you start with Louis Armstrong, you're intellectualizing uh, maybe you're intellectualizing his trumpet. You're you're hearing his his trumpet for for the day and age of which he's playing it. You're hearing the, the band, the big band sound, and maybe you're you're saying this sound connects with me or this sound doesn't connect with me. Um, but for for me, intellectualizing does it it doesn't. It doesn't start until you you have some sort of like um, some sort of sound around uh, what you're familiar with or what you feel, right? So the feeling yeah. has to come first, and then you can intellectualize, Agreed. right? Yes. Um, so Ryan, if you want to take a shot at that, I'm sorry, I sort of yeah, yeah. No, I, I, what Tara said was makes makes total sense, and I think that that's what kind of intellectualism means for me. I guess there's a certain point where intellectualism becomes so extremely becomes analytical. Yeah. Right. Like. So the intellectual aspect of jazz that's rooted in just feeling very strong emotions that then kind of triggers a lot of things mentally happening in the brain. Like for me, um, jazz is definitely not background music for me. And mm -hmm. when I'm listening to jazz or spinning the jazz, I really can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I have to I have to be in my special chair and like my eyes have like my eyes are like here. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what it is for me. But I know that, you know, if I let myself go there, you know, I can listen to a song and I can tell you what the chords are. I can tell you what the chord progression is. I could mm -hmm. analyze the structure of the melody and of the improvisation and how the form is being broken down. This is the other and form of intellectualizing. My, my, yes. I, I know I can I can go there. Yeah. And then if I let myself go too far there. It, it doesn't become an enjoyable experience for me. So for me, just because of my 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 university course of study, it, it has to. I'm. It's it's definitely a balancing act for me. Where it's like, yeah, that's a different. I, I have to. Yeah. That's very interesting, Ryan, because I don't have those tools in my toolbox to be able yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. So yeah, I, don't, I don't have those tools. Don't so have you know, for you, because of your background, you have. You can intellectualize it in a certain way that I can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But so, so my my definition of intellectualizing, I suppose, would be mental alertness to what I'm hearing. But for you, you can kind of take that to a different level because of your background. I, I don't have that those tools in my toolbox. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and those who, who you, do, you don't you don't need these you don't need those tools. <laughs> and those, I, was, I was about to say that I was about to say. <laughs> I don't and, think so, but and, yeah. and those who do that don't don't need that. <laughs> you know, no, so, no, you yeah, really don't. Um, that's in, that's interesting. So me and Tara definitely is sort of uh, our definition of intellectualizing is very very akin. Uh, I think it's of it as consciousness of, of the music you're listening to, and, and you have a, a a similar but different definition of it as well. Um, very very awesome um, stuff in a in a very interesting piece. I don't want to like have us go over time though. I want to be cognizant of you guys' time tonight. Uh, we all have things to do. Um, so in lieu of that, I do want to cut this short, but I want us to come back to the, I mean, this is a perennial question in, in music, uh, one that we're talking about where, again, I don't, uh, one of the things that this show also hopes to accomplish um, all the time, this is what is on the forefront of my head, is if I was new, if I had just picked up my first LP, my first LP, it was a John Coltrane Giant Steps or something like that. And that was my first <laughs> LP I picked up. And I listen to this show like Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is a, that is a little tough one. That's maybe tough one. maybe I should have went with Blue Train or I don't know. You guys give me a selection. A selection. Yeah. I don't know which Pretty which Coltrane. 
is the best one yeah. to go with yeah. early on. Yeah, like my analytical brain just like went, oh, da, 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 <laughs> that was a horrible question to ask you guys. Like, I don't think there's another song that has more different chords changing yeah. that fast. All right, all right, all right, Devin. And changing yeah. keys yeah. so rapidly gonna, than Giants. All right, yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna, that's a bit ambitious there. In the yeah, chat. okay, oh. so we're gonna, I'm gonna reverse that. He's listening to Kind of Blue, okay? And it's Devin, I couldn't, I couldn't listen, I couldn't do a better one. Is that better for you, Ryan? Yeah. Kind of Blue, is that an easier one? Is it, is it, I don't know. Yes. I feel like it's a smoother yeah, one. It's the one that emotionally, yeah. you can definitely wrap your yeah. head around the sound. Yeah. It, it moves you different ways emotionally and if you're not if you don't want to think about the music and so i differ from you guys in this way too where if i i can listen to jazz as background music and i hope the jazz guys mm-hmm. don't strike me down and, and and say that you know i am not a real jazz fan but i can totally and this is me emoting here right like because i can totally put on an lp and now it has to be a certain one it can't be i can't listen to like it can't be uh you know love supreme it can't be crescent it can't be something that's like heavy on like making making it making you aware of its presence right that's what i like to call it um but if it's something subtle like a like a jim hall like i'm thinking about him like he makes Mm. he makes music that is super easy listening it's easy guitar Mm -hmm. super easy riffs and i'm not saying you know like he's uh, easy musician he can get into some complex shit for sure uh but you know it's it, most of his records are really good at like sort of like putting you at ease right like allowing you to sort of disconnect from the sound you're hearing and sort of focus on whatever it is and enjoy and have your brain just independently enjoy the melodies that's going on um so you know going back to my uh, my quick analogy about the kid uh, what i want people to sort of accomplish when they when they listen to an episode is if they're new to this area, I don't want them to feel like this isn't a safe space for them. I don't want them leaving with that taste that I left with when I got into the content, when I started to look at content and seeing that like people were a little bit heavy around the intellectualizing of the music or a little bit heavy around the making it seem like it was bigger than larger than life. And if you didn't understand this music, something was wrong with you or you didn't understand it or you you just don't have the ears or you don't have the magic, you know, the magic listening uh, uh, tools necessary um, to understand what it is that you're listening to. I think Tara said it earlier. It all comes with time. You got to take your time with this stuff. If you don't understand it today, mm-hmm. come back to it tomorrow. It's that simple. If you don't understand it tomorrow, get into something else and see how and see, and let that journey, let that journey of, of music. Uh, uh, I like to think of it as a uh, maybe a water slide, like allow music to sort of water slide your ass into the pool where then you can start to swim. You can swim around to other stuff, but allow yourself to sort of go with the emotion first. Don't worry about trying to intellectualize it, understanding it or whatever. Um, feel it first. That's it. Yeah. I mean, going along with that, I would I would add, I think that's one of the beauties of vinyl and jazz vinyl specifically mm-hmm. in that, you know, sometimes when you, you know, I, I remember when I was really into CDs, you could get a CD, mm-hmm. you may not be into it right away, but it's so easy to just throw that CD away or for it to break or for just for yeah. it to kind of just fly with the wind. And it's the same thing with streaming and downloads. Like those things are just so easy to just, forget. Yeah, they're easy to forget. But, you know, you you get a jazz record, you're not into it, you're not in the current space, Mm -hmm. or you just need more time, and you may not 
dig it right the second but you know that record it'll, it'll go on your shelf you'll get it back again yeah. or you know like you like you and i have discussed we have a section where of stuff where we put it and we know we don't have time to listen to it now yeah yeah but yeah. we're leaving it there as a as a physical reminder yeah. you got to get to it that it's it's worth our time in yeah, the future to, to pull it. that back out yeah speaking mm-hmm. of which my chair's uh back to being full after this past weekend so yeah <laughs> i just got it empty that was just empty and then that chair and then you know back to back to being full uh before i i, I do want to keep it uh at around an hour 30 minutes tonight so i do want to get into this last topic uh before um I, I let you guys go but we sort of alluded to it separating the genres um this sort of goes into the pretentiousness topic that we we just came out of um but i feel like i mean and ob- for obvious reasons right there there needs to be subgenres, right there, that that's a creation that that artists themselves sort of like harp on maybe you know like it's it's one of those things that sort of just come about right like uh the, the sub and i'm thinking about all these subgenres in jazz for example there's so many uh we we have like independent jazz and this is jazz that is outside of the mainstream uh or outside of the major label uh releases like columbia and atlantic right we we think about that uh we think about you know we think about spiritual jazz and we say that that's different or and and we we think about bop and we we tag that as you know something different but it all falls under two umbrellas that i like to make it really plain with for people who are new to this stuff it's one black music and it's two it's jazz it's just it's just jazz it's it maybe it's it's speaking to a different area of you know of the of of the soul maybe uh say for example bop you know is is speaking toward yeah bop is maybe speaking toward more of a a rhythmic piece of the soul or more of a dancey or not dancey but you know more of a, a an upbeat part of the soul while uh while some spiritual stuff maybe is speaking to obviously the spirit right but like it's all it's all this it's all under the same umbrella and i think uh sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on these uh on these titles on these subgenres um why are subgenres important and why are why are they not important both of you guys i want to hear from you yeah let, let, i want to go with, with here what ryan says on this first <laughs> i would like to yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You Ryan, Ryan probably disagrees with me. No. <laughs> um, well, my only disagreement is based on what you just asked previously, mm-hmm. which was about points of entry mm-hmm. for newcomers. And I think, point. as a point of entry, <laughs> labels and subgenres can actually be very helpful. They can be very helpful because someone, if someone was asking me for a genuine recommendation to get into jazz. And they were able to provide me some examples of some artists and some music just in general that they like or a certain vibe that they're looking for. I could point them from a like a like a, a subgenre label perspective or even just like a record label perspective. And I could say, oh, you know what? The Blue Note catalog and these are some artists and, um, you know, typically this style of music, we call this hard bop. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the things that I think you might there enjoy goes, from it. There goes right? that academic Ryan. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm <laughs> and then I would just say, you know, with the streaming service of your choice or the mm-hmm. record store of your choice, here are some things you could look for and, you know, have fun with it and, and kind of go explore. But if that same person asked me that same recommendation and I was like, eh, it's, you know, it's all jazz, it's all the same mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, that would, I, I think, 
I would that could lead this newcomer astray. Like, because jazz is so big. It is. So it is. It's so, but we yeah. all get in. We all get into it in different areas. Like me and Tara were talking yeah. about this the last time we talked on on the show, Tara. And I mean, mm-hmm. you got into you were into John Coltrane. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right when you first got yeah, into I was it. that was my first. Yeah, John. For for my first, I would say for my first year in in listening to jazz, not collecting. My first year in listening to jazz and like feeling like I I, I was a jazz fan. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, and again, jazz gods, don't strike me down. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I couldn't really understand John. I, 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 unless he was playing with Miles in the in the traditional stuff that Miles did in, in the Kind of Blue days. Like, the, the saxophone, to my ears, was just such a weird instrument. And so, so the point of entry, I think, is very important for... for for every fan to sort of, I think it's instrumental. You you pick an instrument, you pick an axe, and I think you sort of follow that one into. That's your point of entry. But I yeah. don't think it's genre specific. Like I like the trumpet. Uh, like at the same time, I'm listening to to Miles on the trumpet. I'm also listening to like Donald Byrd and some of his soulful stuff. Right. So like. Right. My point of entry was kind of blue, cool jazz, but I was also listening to like, you know, um, uh, Stepping Into Tomorrow. And I'm like enjoying that just as much as I'm enjoying, you know, kind of blue. And it's just like, mm-hmm. well, you know, that doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but it's right. it's the acts that's important. That was important to me. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it's like marrying kind of the, what both of you are saying. I mean, we would be disingenuous to say that there aren't stylistic differences between hard bop and you can, I mean, let's do, let's be honest about that. So there is, there are ways of categorizing according to here's a stylistic, you know, kind of thematic way that you can understand what hard bop is. If you like that sound, go here, blue note, X, Y, Z. But I loved, I loved what you said, Noel, about different areas of the soul. And I think that the more that you have experience with something, the more you can see it as a whole. So I think that mm-hmm. it's also that the more you develop in your appreciation of something, the more you can see its unity. And I think that comes with time. Mm-hmm. And, but gotcha. I, I really appreciate gotcha. this sort of, it's like one psyche. And that's why I think it's a, it's a great segue into, okay, what is free jazz doing? What portion of the soul is it speaking to? Mm-hmm. As opposed to a, a hard bop or whatever. So it's all one psyche, but I go to, I go to a, a Coltrane Ascension for a particular purpose to get mm-hmm. something from that to feed a particular part of my psyche with that okay. to ascend. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I love that, but I think it's I think it's both. I think you need an axe, something to stab at, and you know, um, or stab with, or whatever the metaphor uh, is. I like that one. I'll, I'll, <laughs> and, I'll allow um, it. Yeah, you'll allow it, and <laughs> and yeah. So it's it's just it's really an interesting conversation, but um. For me, talking about the whole Coltrane piece as a start, it was just, and, and to me, Coltrane is a very particular category. I say, people ask me, what do you collect? I say, hard pop, so-and-so, and then there's Coltrane. It's, it's, it's its own kind of category in itself for me. And so um, it was, again, it was the feeling. It was the, you know, it was the intuitive kind of, recognizing of okay I don't know what you know I can't describe it in technical terms but something about this is appealing to me and and the sound and what he's doing and it just it instinctively spiritually speaks to, to a certain part of my soul yeah. and I went with that yeah. and so you know um if, it's an interesting it, yeah really yeah and, and what I'm saying is if you my my whole overarching point even with the pretentiousness in jazz if you don't 
understand it if you come in and you're like me and coltrane is like scary right he's a big scary like saxophone player that like when every time he plays his axe it sounds it sounds as if like he's trying to make the earth shatter right like that that's the best way i can i can like sort of tell you about how it was when i introed into train right i was like oh man yeah. like, this guy's so scary he's intimidating uh, and i just that's kept so hearing his name yeah 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 go for it sorry no you know what it is one really quickly that and I, I remember a few, like last year, saying this to somebody on a video comment. It didn't occur to me to be intimidated by anything I heard. Mm. Just It was just pure virgin ears. It didn't occur to me to be like, oh my. So, so I, I, I find this really interesting because it, I don't know if, because I didn't come to it as, oh, I jazz. Now I've got to do something. It was just like, here's some music and I'm just going to flow with it see what I like and let's get started and it, it, so it didn't occur to me to feel like oh I I had to work for some stuff definitely to be able to appreciate something so, yeah, yeah. with time mm -hmm. but I didn't feel intimidated fundamentally by getting in you know mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. well, it's an yeah. interesting thing. yeah when I when I came into it and and, and intimidated is a is, is probably the most accurate word I can use word. to describe um, mm -hmm. because it was, like I said, it, and I hate to talk about the patron saint, John Coltrane, like that, like he was scary. Cause now I look at him and I, I love this guy. Like everything he does, like, uh, you know, I've beefed up my Coltrane collection. Uh, I love, like, he's probably the, one of the most spun <laughs> records yeah. or, or, or artists in my collection. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's emotional music now, but I think yeah. that's that, that sort of what we're talking around, like this whole this big whole conversation just that entry point like for yeah. some people if it's not if it's not there if it's not with coltrane don't think that you're never going to be into coltrane like yeah. just keep that open mind of being like okay i'll i'll get it one day like he won't be scary one day or you know he won't mm -hmm. be it won't intimidate me one day um but for now i'm gonna follow my follow my gut i'm gonna follow my feelings and i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna just replay kind of blue yeah. <laughs> until yeah, the wheels exactly. fall off of this thing yeah so yeah, yeah you, know, you know it's it's funny because to be honest with you in my own jazz journey i found coltrane easiest to connect to at the time and i found some of the hard bop stuff a bit more challenging to kind of go with. I'm serious. It was mm, like, no, this yeah, is, this is like, what is this? You know, yeah, yeah. but so but, but Coltrane was, you know what it is with Coltrane? He's so mystical that it's just like, you just feel like you're going on a sort of mystic journey anyway. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And that might be kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go on this thing. And then with hard bop, you have a melodic line. So you're like, you're trying to understand, you know, it feels familiar, but it kind of isn't familiar, but it's like, mm -hmm, what is this? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. No, that's very interesting. Because I'm, my, my, you know, for me, it was kind of the opposite. Like yeah. Coltrane required, you know, uh, going back to the undergraduate study, you know, in addition to Miles, you, you get fed a lot of Coltrane, mm -hmm, as you can mm -hmm. imagine. Um, I mean, but you get fed Coltrane in the sense like, you get like, here's giant steps, here's a sheet music, okay? Okay. Analyze it <laughs> and write a paper about it and it's due wow. like tomorrow. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, you, okay, that's, you know, it's basically undergraduate jazz studies. Um, but the hard bop stuff to me, I got to the hard bop stuff much later in life as an adult. Mm -hmm. It was one of the first things that I gravitated to as a vinyl collector, which for me wasn't, I didn't really start getting to vinyl until about 2016. So yeah. I'm pretty, I'm relatively new to the game in, in, from the vinyl collection perspective. Um, but the hard, bop, the hard bop stuff just, that's, there's just something about it where it just spoke to me instantly. It was kind of like that, 
that that bluesy, gospely, minor blues feel, which is like, oh, this is this is like coming home. Is basically mm-hmm. what it felt like. Yeah. When I first, sure. and I yeah. think my first, my, that that would have been some Art Blakey, Jazz Messengers, right. um, Mosaic would have been yeah. that first real introduction, as well as the Freddie Hubbard, the Open Sesame. That yes. would have been Open like Sesame. the second it's a classic. Part. That's a good classic. One. Yeah. And good it was playing those two things back to back, where I remember saying to myself, "I'm home." Yeah, I'm home. Damn. Kind of yeah. Thing. That's deep, yeah. and and I think and, and so in saying that, like it, I'm saying much the same thing. It's just like there's whatever you can pick up, and this is to my my new people, my new folks. Whatever it is you can pick up, if that's a, uh, if that's if you're looking for a bluesy sound and you you hear that in something that you like, go with it. If you're hearing a sophisticated sound and you want to keep going with that, or you're hearing a, a bop sound and you want to keep going with that, or you're hearing a free sound and something about something speaks to you, what, whatever it is, something, keep going with that and and let it ride. And then I guarantee you, you will fall into that pool where everything else, and you will go back a lot, and you'll go forward some, and you'll go back again, and you'll be like, hey, like I missed this, yeah. and I'm, I find myself doing that all the time. So it's it's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, I had a question as you were talking, both of you, about like the purposes, the reason why you get into jazz. I hear people talking about building, here's how you build a jazz collection. For me, <laughs> it was never about that. It was just, I want to hear some shit I freaking like. Yeah. And so I, you know, there, there are gaps in my, um, gaps, so to speak, in my um, knowledge, because I was just following the train of what I like. But I hear people, it's like, I, I got to build this collection. So I got to get some this, got to get some that, got to get some that. And I'm just like, for me, it's about pure enjoyment. So mm-hmm. for you, you went into it academically, studying yourself. And that's one route of getting in because it was school. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But for me, I just, it's just the truth is that I just is like, I just like this stuff. Let me just follow what I like. Yeah. So um, I think sometimes the intent to build a collection can really yes. sort of, kind of trip you up sometimes and and just you know i think that's part of it yeah yeah my worst so you know when you were when you were asking that um it made me realize that there is a there's a there's a there's a subtle difference between the the art of music loving and the art or science i guess you could say of curating a vinyl collection (laughs) <laughs> those two things sometimes can are not necessarily one and the same That's a great point. and i think what, what you bring and you guys i think you two are way more versed in the greater vinyl community um than than, than me what do you mean by that right? my my, <laughs> my primary my primary connection to the vinyl community is basically through you and through this podcast oh. because when i when i uh, i engage for the most part not too much online through youtube and through instagram i kind of stay away from those spaces Mm -hmm. just for my own i want to be in my space yeah yeah, kind of thing and then yeah yeah, and then you and me we hook up together and connect here and then i kind of do my thing and then i I go back Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and then when you're ready to pull me out of you know my dungeon yeah you, you text me or you send me the zoom invite and hey ryan you yeah, need that's you so need cute to get out of the house let's i actually go. did let's, not let's... know that that's how that worked <laughs> so that's really <laughs> that's really awesome yeah no i know <laughs> that's awesome so you guys are probably more versed in that side of um 
where you probably you probably get a lot of that i would imagine through ig and through youtube where um because of the visual aspect because mm -hmm. yeah. that has a very much look at my collection mm -hmm. right look at my latest pickup kind of yeah thing. Mm -hmm. so you're, you're, I, I would imagine there's that 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 kind of confuses things too. Well, I can tell you right yeah. now um, that uh, people who follow me really hate uh, the inconsistency uh, because it, it takes me a while sometimes to sort of get through something. And, and I heard this with, with Tara and her show, um, but sometimes I gotta let something sit. Sometimes I gotta let it, you know, sit on me and like, you know, and I gotta sort of eat it again or, or, or think about it again or, or you know, even deep listening or, or conscious listening to the record um so yeah yeah uh, sorry if that wasn't a part of your point but like uh, just thinking about the community of vinyl like no. there's a lot of consistency yeah. in that stuff and for me it's not about that it's definitely about yeah. just like feeling the music that you're into and you, you get a good picture or you get a good post every now and again from me but like sometimes i'm the same way yeah, sometimes you won't get anything now. from me for a while exactly <laughs> so. exactly and that's so interesting that what what ryan is saying and what you're saying I got this thing, let me post all of my stuff. I think there are 60 posts on my Instagram. I started, started last year. There are 60 posts, which, yeah. So maybe oh. 60 records posted, mm -hmm. which is a, a fraction of my collection. It takes me time, yeah. A, a, yeah. a fraction of my collection. It takes me time to go through. And sometimes I'm, I'm actually having more fun listening than talking about my stuff. Yeah, that you, part, so. that <laughs> part right there, so, that part. That's me, yeah. Yeah. that's me basically. Yeah. yeah, that part yeah. right there. So, and that's yeah. definitely with my most recent haul, I'm like, Yo, like I am just really enjoying like all of these records, like the, even some of the ones I highlighted today. Like I'm really enjoying these. I'm not really pressed about getting these like on my IG. I'm really pressed yeah. about understanding these or listening to yeah. these and and trying to get what the artist is saying here. Um, that's yeah. more important to me. So you know, uh, I, I I totally get that for sure. I mean, for me, the only pretentiousness that I experience would be you know people that get into jazz and see it as like a curated part of their collection i mean that's where that's where it really comes from mm -hmm. um more often than not like for example like the junior high kids that i teach ages 11 to 13 years old um you know they they may not be into jazz obviously mm -hmm. they may not listen to it regularly or not be very, very familiar with it but they know enough to understand that it's it's like an important art form. Yeah. Like the kids which, that I teach, which even, isn't. even if they, yeah, even if they don't listen to it or are very familiar with it, they understand that jazz is an art form that's to be respected. Which isn't what's of, reflected, right? Like we, we, we sort of think about how, and I've said this myself, so I'm guilty of it, but we sort of think about the kids and we're like, oh, they probably think of jazz as like, you know, how we think of classical music or how we think of you know or you know how we <laughs> think of whatever like yeah. whatever is super old right and so they probably aren't really that into it but you're so you're saying that like there there is a high level of respect and, and admiration there for is, the music. there is but then on the same token you'd be like oh do you want to listen to some jazz and be like no nah i'm good <laughs> you know what i mean i'm good like they they, they respect it as an art form they respect it as like a tradition Right. But mm. for their for their own personal consumption, mm -hmm. they they don't they choose not to. Which to be honest with you, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Versus there's the other side of it where it's like, oh, I'm going to hyper consume this 
And right. by hyper consuming this and hyper marketing and advertising this, this will convey the message that I'm, you know, that I'm sophisticated. You're sophisticated, that, yeah. Into, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm into the arts, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and so that's... I, I, to be honest with you, I, I find the 11, 12-year-old to be more honest. Yeah, more yeah, way more. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's <laughs> that's so important. Tari, sorry, you want to... Yeah, no, I was just agreeing um, with Ryan, but I've written down what he said about the art of music loving. That really has kind of connected mm -hmm. with me. Um, you know, I think, I think that's probably the best statement of what I think I'm about, just the art of loving music, <laughs> you know? And so I don't have that much patience for trying to show a picture that I am this or that because I listen to jazz, yeah. uh, you know? You know it's, that's not it for me at all. It's, it's really, and I, I often wonder how people when I see them buy all these records, I'm like, how do you go through it so fast? Yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I literally, I'm just like, how do you digest this you, music so quickly? How do you, yeah. I re, and, and I know people are different, Ryan, that they have different ways of listening <laughs> to music, but I genuinely am just like, how do you just buy all these records? Yeah. And how, you, how are you like, you just, you have an opinion already? You know, I've shared this with Noel on, on previous episodes, but there are so many there are so many vinyl collectors that I interact with online through, you know, the various forums that I'm a part of that they have stacks and stacks and stacks of some of the most amazing music in the jazz world. And they're unopened. Yeah. They're still CDs. Yeah. And I know so many people that they'll buy like multiple copies of the same thing because they see it as an investment. They see it as a financial investment. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's I, I, disheartening is a little bit too much of a phrase, but it just speaks disheartening to me. Fortunately, <laughs> there, there, it speaks to kind of like a hyper consumerism. Yeah. To an extreme. Yeah. Because I mean, and, and this is, uh, and Ryan, you know where, where I'm, I, I want to take this. I, I don't, I don't want to go all the way there for the sake of time, but, yeah, this essentially is what creates, you know, the the lack of. It, so on 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 one end, it creates the the influx of prices, right? So we see prices online, I think, rise because of stuff like this. Where I think of it at almost as hoarding, almost like I mean, you could say collecting in general is hoarding, but like if you're intentionally going out just buying up some copies of some records just to so that later you can cash in on them. I think you're a big part of the issue in our community right now on the other side i think it, it feeds back into that pretentiousness thing that we were talking about earlier where um, people who are trying to get into our community people who are trying to get into this hobby and trying to understand or trying to like or trying to buy the music to you know enjoy it themselves aren't able to because of whatever reason you know you look on on discogs or you, you you're going into the record stores and, you, and you're outpriced uh, records that aren't affordable for you as a new collector who doesn't want to spend you don't want to spend a hundred dollars right off the rip it took me almost 10 years in record collecting to to finally go and buy an og copy of a, a rare strata east record that was down priced at hundreds of dollars took me a really long time to do that because one i thought it was silly at first because i i, I like why would i spend a hundred dollars on this one copy of a record when i can buy like almost 10 copy or 10 10 vinyl for the same price um and and that was my logic for a long time so i, I don't know if that was super clear but like i i just i think that that's a huge issue in our community 
uh, one that I, I'm not afraid to mince words if it left that offends you. I'm sorry, um, but yeah. yeah, like that's that does a lot of damage in our community. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. So, is it the the audio files of us? I mean, you know, listening. I suppose is it that okay? So you get different pressings, and then you wanna figure out because I I watch those videos too, and they're like, okay, you can hear <laughs> this on that, and the, the drums are no, that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, different. that's different. Yeah, yeah. And so you might want yeah. to you you, gen, you genuinely might have an ear where you're really hearing yeah, those sure. differences, yeah, yeah. and that, and I can appreciate that, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that could be part of that. So you know, not to be completely unfair to the audio files, you know? for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm talking about those who like like Ryan said have like three copies of this record. Yeah. That none of them are open. Like, like, yeah. like you you don't even like yeah. this genre there's, music. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> so, there's so much like and even just like some of my you know some of my purchasing a lot of times you know you'll get like a used you know a used copy at a discount and then you'll get it and it's like it's sealed yeah 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 i've gotten a few of those no yeah. it's yeah. not it's sealed it's like i okay i guess i'll benefit from your loss i'm sorry <laughs> yeah you now, didn't take the time to open and listen to it totally off subject though uh do you guys get into this mode we, we're talking heavy about jazz right now but do you guys get into this mode where you guys don't listen to jazz for a little while i know i do i get into a mode where i listen to like i, I like i haven't had this in a really long time i have to be completely honest look tara's shaking her head no like that never happens yeah. i always listen to jazz first of all <laughs> it happens yeah. it's very short though so i'll explain uh, it could be where I'll, I'll just be really heavy into hip hop uh, or it could be uh, most of the time when I was like first into this like hobby of collecting, most of my collection was rock. And then there was Miles Davis. Right. So like it was mostly Jimi Hendrix and uh, yeah. Eric Clapton and all types of shit like that. And then there was mm -hmm. like a few, you know, Miles records or whatever. Um, and so when collecting jazz, like I, like now that I have so much jazz, jazz is the bulk of my bulk of my uh my collection sometimes i find it that you know and i haven't had this happen in a long time but sometimes it happens where i'll go back and revisit some of my rock stuff like i'll go back and listen to oh, a Nas yeah. record or something like that and yeah you know yeah. something like that yeah, I'm, but like an hour yeah 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 yeah, yeah. not 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 extensively not yeah, like yeah like an hour you know <laughs> Yeah, I play my Beatles. I play some old, some other stuff, but like a, like an hour. I, I was know, gonna like say you, you're a big soul person, so I, I know you. A huge soul person. Yeah, yeah. For sure, you no, you for get sure. into huge. soul and yeah, huge. You never get lost over there though. Like well, I'm not gonna listen to any jazz for a little while. I'm gonna listen to this. That's impossible for me. Jazz is <laughs> yeah. a big, that's impossible. I mean, I will. I will listen to soul or something else alongside with the jazz. Maybe you know, I might decide. Okay, let me just stop for a while and play something else but then i'm going to go back to some jazz i mean it's jazz is like the default and then other things are they're, they're there but it's Similar. never a point where i'm just not listening to jazz it just doesn't happen nice. yeah nice sorry man you're on your own on <laughs> i'm on my own on this one okay um, yeah i am i would say i'm a, I'm a it's, a it's a daily yeah yeah Damn, I, I get my nice, daily nice. jazz fix in some form sometimes if there's a day busy like and I don't have a chance to spin something, mm -hmm. even just like if I'm in the car or just like working in the office, I'll I'll stream something on whatever, nice. you know, title or Spotify. But then I make sure the next day that I'm back home in my chair, mm -hmm. no, it's, I'm spinning something jazz-ish, okay. right? And then maybe once a week, yeah, sure, I'll play something non-jazz for a little bit, but not like, <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting stuff. Um, and I'll I'll be I'll be solo on that one. Uh, it it happens very rarely. It just came to my head <laughs> when thinking about it. It was just like oh, like there is sometimes where it's like, 
all the records on my chair and I'll be like, let me let me dig around for some Stevie Wonder or something. Like and that happens. And like like Tara oh said, it's God. usually for it a few hours. It's not yeah. really super yeah. extended, but uh but yeah, it happens. Yeah. So. yeah. So for me it's just like every day at some point I will hear jazz every day. Yeah. At some point yeah. of the day now, I will listen to jazz. Yeah, some yeah. some th- now that's where I'm different. Just a tad bit. Some days it, it'll be like I will listen to a Sto- Stevie Run- Wonder record or uh or a Curtis Mayfield record. And then I'll be like, I think that's it for the day. <laughs> and I don't know how I can do it. I mean, I'll listen to jazz in my headphones, obviously. Like I'll, I'll have a, I have a playlist, a few different playlists. Same but uh, but yeah, like I won't spend any any uh, jazz for a day, maybe sometimes. Yeah. Don't don't shoot me for that one, guys. Like don't. No, don't, why would we shoot you? Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> you know, <What>? I don't know. <laughs> you know so. Uh, but yeah, this has been a really great episode, guys. I really appreciate the discussion around um, the pretentiousness in jazz and, and the pretentiousness in, in the overall culture of, of collecting vinyl. I think there were some really amazing points here uh, that were made. And um, it, for those listening who aren't who are on the cusp, you know, I mean, you, like I said, just start somewhere. And I think the best way to end this episode is to sort of round robin like whatever it is you want to say sort of to end the show, um, please feel free to do so. Both of you guys. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, say. Ladies first, yeah, as Ryan said, ladies right? First, <laughs> no, you know, I guess the, the, my last thought is just, I think it's your favorite word, uh, Noel, it's curiosity. You know what I'm trying to mm-hmm, say? Mm-hmm. It's like for me, um, let's, and that's, that's why jazz is so wonderful because there's just so much to be, discovered. you know, there's so much to kind of discover, yes. really. So yeah. Discover you can something just, new every day. Yeah. Every day. Something, every day. Every day. So. Except for days where I don't listen to it. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I don't know, though. Are people as, are people as curious as they, different, you know, I'm opening up something mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're ending now. But I, I wonder about people's <laughs> curiosity about sound. Mm-hmm. Are they curious about sound, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. think that jazz yeah. for me helps me to satisfy that curiosity about sound. It's like, ooh, what is this sound? What is, what is this thing happening? This frequency in my ear, I'm translating it, what's that? And so I would just say, if you're getting into jazz, be led by that spirit of curiosity, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my, my final two cents would be, um, don't underestimate the power of streaming mm. and to help um, explore and spark that curiosity in something um, because you know at least you know um, uh, Blue Note especially just because they seem to be very trying to modernize the way they're marketing and branding yeah. just not only their music but just jazz in general um, they've done just a wonderful job with their playlist curation through the streaming devices and you know I know this is we're part of the vinyl community this is a vinyl centric podcast yeah, but so I stop plugging one, Spotify yeah I'm kidding, <laughs> yeah, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding but one thing you know one one common thread that I see amongst the three of us and amongst many others is that um, th- there's a there's a, a there's a definite foundation of just loving the music and the music sparking something inside of us. And, you know, for me, you know, because I teach 11, 12, 13 years old, you know, I I try to meet them wherever they are at and try to get them into something wherever they may be. And for many of our listeners, obviously, um, you know, streaming and and digital is is kind of that approach. And, you know, the more people that listen and explore that curiosity, 
vinyl as a medium has survived enough of these you know vinyl is dead things mm. where i think we, we have enough knowledge to know no vinyl is i think vinyl is pretty much defined it has solidified solidified itself as a as a long-term format for music listening so um and tara says it just said it so wonderfully at the beginning of this podcast that it's all about the the time and the space that you're currently in and where you're currently at in your life's journey that has a huge influence on whether you're 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 ready to receive something yet but if you can keep that open-mindedness it's something that i think you legitimately will grow into and it'll be there waiting for you as long as you don't yeah. turn it off yeah yeah i've heard you say that before it'll be there waiting for you that's that's awesome mm-hmm. beautiful okay. answers both of you guys um almost brought me to tears <laughs> i'm kidding um that's been another episode of the record spinner podcast uh you can email uh me and ryan at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also uh, follow me at um, on Instagram uh, at Rebirth of the Cool. Tara, you want to shout out your handles or uh, where sure, they can find Sure, it's Tara's you? Turntable. <laughs> Great. On, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I like, you can find <laughs> I like yours. It's very simple, straight to the point. I love it. It's mm-hmm. great. Like, uh, Ryan, we need some rebranding. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, that's been our time. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and take care. Peace.